Hello and welcome to Golden Grenades, or should I say this brief little interlude episode, less of a full-on Golden Grenades peregrine stoop sucker punch and more of a gentle nibble from a hand-fed duck. So I'm here to welcome Nick Atchison, my guest way back on episode five, and he's here to talk with me today about his new book, The Meaning of Geese. Nick, welcome back. Thank you very much for having me, Kit. What a pleasure to be here. So you've got a new book out coming, well, coming out on Thursday this week, I believe. And it, it made me think back as well to the recording we did on Golden Grenades episode five, when one of your five birds that you chose, and back then I was putting them up against the peregrine, which obviously was a short-lived device, which didn't work at all. But you picked one of your five favorite birds as being the dark-bellied Brent geese, which are a main character, I would say, in this book, aren't they? Along with the pink-footed geese as well, and, and well, all of the geese you get down your way. So tell us about the inspiration behind the book and your love of geese. The love of geese comes from growing up in North Norfolk. Um, this is my home, this is my family's home. It's where I've always lived, and so it's where I learnt my birds. Very, very privileged to grow up on the North Norfolk coast, and so there were just always birds, the sort of birds. I didn't realize till I went away to university how much other people didn't get to see great flocks of wintering ducks and geese and or and twite in salt marshes and shorelocks and things that we thought were completely normal. But actually, if you live somewhere inland, they're not completely normal at all. So I grew up in winter with the sound of burbling Brent geese. And back in, in the day, in the 1980s, there were pink-footed geese, but there were nothing like the number of pink-footed geese that we've had over the last few years. So they've always just been there and they've always been absolutely fundamental to my, to my love of birds on the coast. And the book really came out, I mean, we've all had such a strange time these last three years. And in the end of 2020, through the pandemic, of course, through various decisions, I had next to no work, I had next to no people in my life, and I thought, right, what am I going to do to get through this winter? Because we all knew we'd been prepared by the government that we were going to go into lockdowns over the winter. And so I thought, right, you will cycle, because we were allowed to exercise as much as we liked. And so I cycled all day, every day. I had my mother's 40-something-year-old bicycle in the shed. You will cycle and you will watch the geese. And in the process, you will flock with them and you won't need human company. And then the writing just kind of spilled out of being a goose. <laughs> I love that, the fact that you sort of almost feel one with the geese. And that reminded me as well about your 10 years in Bolivia and then how you came home one Christmas and it was it was the geese that, that you connected with and you, you, you heard you felt the calling of the geese bringing you back home, didn't you? I did indeed. And that's how the book begins, that I I talk about that episode that I, I lived in Bolivia and I'd been there 10 years and I wondered, is this is this my life? Do I do I live in South America the rest of my life? Do I stay in the sunshine and the warmth um, <laughs> looking at all these amazing creatures? And I came home and I went for a walk with a very, very old friend who at the time was the head of the engagement team at Norfolk Wildlife Trust. And we went for a walk and there were widgeon everywhere, whistling shrilly and and there was a little flock of dark belly brankies and I didn't even have binoculars in the UK, mine were in Bolivia. And he handed me his binoculars and I picked them up and one quick scan through this little group of dark belly brankies and there was a brant, a black brant, which doubtless the birders knew about 
but I didn't know it was there. And suddenly there was this, and it just hooked me. And it was the bright, just like today, actually, it's the most beautiful blue sky, sunny day in North Norfolk. Um, I looked at this goose and heard the, whist the whistling of the widgeon and the, the burbling of the curlews and the lisping of the rock pipits. In and I thought, I can do this. This is, this is my home. This is where I'm from. And so literally I went back to Bolivia and within 10 days I'd moved back to the UK and the rest is history. Yeah. And I, I guess that's the, the subtitle to the book as well is a thousand miles in search of home as well, isn't it? So it all fits perfectly a thousand miles on your mother's little red bike. Indeed. I cycled 1,200 miles over the whole winter and the thousand miles was chosen uh, actually by my editors um, because that's the distance that a pink footed goose flies coming southwards from Iceland to reach Norfolk and they do that all in one go it took me an entire winter on my little red bike <laughs> pedaling madly with my skinny legs to <laughs> to cycle the distance of a pink-footed goose's one day southward migration but they might not have been quite so skinny at the end of that uh, winter no, they probably had a little bit more flesh on them by that point because I had I had done nothing but um but cycle, 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 and then get home and tap away at my laptop by the fire in the evening, or indeed in bed after I'd gone to bed and suddenly I'd think of something else and write that down. Um so it it was fully immersive. This book covers not just geese, it does cover a multitude of other birds and the people that you meet and the interactions. But I was going to pick you up on this, but I believe you've talked about this also on Radio 4, although I didn't catch it myself, and that is Egyptian geese. I know how you feel about this in the sense that you love all birds, you love all geese, but they're just a little bit harder to love. They are a little bit harder to love. So I grew up with Egyptian geese. I mean, you, you're old enough, Kit, forgive me, but you're old enough to remember a time when there were only Egyptian geese in North Norfolk and effectively they were centred on Holcombe. And even here in North Norfolk, we saw them nowhere except Holcombe. And you would go to Holcombe and you would see Egyptian geese. And with changing climate, they have spread out and they're now all over the country, not just all over Norfolk. And I see them over my house all the time, especially in the period coming up late winter into the spring. But compared to these, these extraordinary roamers of the Arctic that come to us in the winter, bringing the stories of the tundra, an Egyptian goose is a, it's a tiny bit of a sort of badly made pantomime goose with a, a it's got the, and with, you know, whenever it takes off, it makes these awful noises, <laughs> rasping, shouty, and then they land in that preposterous way. And they, I've seen them do this where there's a lovely flock of Brent geese, and these innocent looking Siberian Brent geese nibbling gently at the grass. And suddenly a pair of Egyptian geese will land in the middle of them, puff up their chest, fan out their wings, and then just bray and march right the way through the flock of Brent geese. And they just, I love them. They're beautiful. They're fascinating. They're funny. They're part of my birding life, but they're also a bit preposterous. <laughs> it's actually, you've actually reminded me there of something I was going to ask you about. And that when you were describing the way they land, tell me about whiffling. Ah, whiffling. Whiffling is, I, I'd say at one point quite early in the, in the book that if I could learn one thing from geese, it would be to whiffle. Whiffling looks so thrilling. It's when they, when the geese come to feed in a field of sugar beet or whatever it is they're feeding in, they arrive as a group, usually with pink feet, they're sort of arrow shaped in the flock, but the flocks can be thousands and thousands of birds. And then there's a point where the flock 
breaks and they they stop shrilly calling for a while and they choose a line. Each individual goose chooses a line. So the flock almost breaks up and they're all coming down in a straight line. And then when they realize how quickly they have to drop to get into the field, they may well do something called whiffling where they turn upside down in the air, literally bellies to the air, backwards and forwards to lose height very quickly. And then at the very last minute, they pick their line again and drop into the field. And as they land, they then start calling again because they're calling to reunite their family because they travel all through the winter in the families that they brought from the tundra. So whiffling is exuberant, it's beautiful, and it's so much a part of winter goose watching. So I'm I'm envious of their whiffling. <laughs> it's a mint word as well. It is. I have whiffle envy. I don't know if that's an actual condition, but I, I feel at this point we've coined whiffle envy. I have a bad, bad case of whiffle envy. <laughs> I think there's worse things to, to yes. have envy about than, than whiffling. I, I actually didn't know that's what it was called, to be honest. You know, I have witnessed it. I have witnessed the whiffle. Even up where you live, uh, curlews do it. Curlews do it quite often, in fact. Or certainly here in Norfolk, our curlews whiffle in the wintertime. So I bet your curlews whiffle too. I'll have to pay more attention and spend more time watching the curlews. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll see a curlew whiffle. The other thing I was going to ask you about is you wrote, very kindly wrote, about the field fair in Red 67. And in that book, you, you mention Serafina Pekela. And for our listeners who know about His Dark Materials, it was made into a TV show recently. It was a very successful series of three books. And the characters from one particular world all have a demon, something that represents their soul, which is an animal outside their body. And Serafina Pekela's was a snow goose, which I'm sure you would entirely approve of and maybe was one of the, the reasons why she got a, a subtle mention in your field fair piece. But as a man without a telly, you might not be aware that her demon in the TV adaptation, her demon Kaiser, actually became a Jer falcon. Isn't that strange, though, that something so, for me, the geese are wild and evocative and beautiful and they they speak of the arctic the tundra which of course is where seraphina peg well, she's from the tiger forest rather than the tundra but she's from the north and the geese speak of that and yet for telly it's thought that a goose isn't wild or evocative enough so we have to we have to pick it up i mean it's almost it's like there's this bloke who's named his podcast after a peregrine falcon what a what a staggeringly crass and um and obvious thing to do um no no i jest of course but <laughs> but it um, i might change I it to golden whiffles golden whiffles or you know rubbery pink feet if you like egyptian geese so much um <laughs> you can have rubbery long-legged pantomime goose feet um no um, i jest of course but it's interesting isn't it that we identify gerfalcons as being somehow a better symbol of seraphina peckler's soul than a wild goose which is to me is the most utterly evocative creature it's fascinating his dark materials does make the tiniest tiniest appearance in my book the meaning of geese in that at one point i describe the call of a gray wagtail piercing reality like philip pullman's subtle knife because to me yeah. it's the sharpest most extraordinarily bright it's that crystal sharp sound that cuts everything around it which of course is what it's designed to do because it's designed to be heard above the babbling of a stream. 
Brilliant. Yeah, great analogy. So the book is out on Thursday, I believe, is the, the publication date, but you can order it now. Thursday, the 9th of February. And I am enormously grateful to everybody who's shown interest so far, to everybody who's been so kind as to pre-order one, and to everybody who reads it and who takes geese, including Egyptian geese, into their hearts. Egyptian geese have a place in my heart too. Absolutely. So Thursday, the 9th of February, Chelsea Green Publishing. Thanks so much, Nick. All the very best with the book, and I'm sure it'll be a, a big hit. Thank you so much for having me back, Kit.